Welcome to the Easy Peasy Podcast, where we discuss living better through permaculture, mindfulness, decentralization, freedom, flow, agorism, anarchy, and more. We'll discuss how to solve life's complex problems with simple solutions. This is Mike the Polymath coming from the Easy Peasy Workshop in Indianapolis, Indiana, the crossroads of America. Thanks for joining. Welcome to the Easy Peasy Podcast. This is episode 84. I've got a special guest here tonight. Uh, We've got Rob from up in Canada. Uh, Can you hear me, Rob? Loud and clear. Awesome. You kind of froze up there while it was getting booted up, I think, but looks like we're good to go. Um, So I guess let's start by like just getting sort of who you are and where you're from. Um, My name's Rob. I'm uh, um, working in the... uh, um, trucking industry here for now for the last, uh, just over 20 years, started off in the oil and gas industry and then uh, long haul the last couple of years, um, kind of puts me into a position where I've got, uh, you know, uh, a whole lot of things where, uh, a lot has happened in the last six, seven months that, uh, has, uh, affected me directly and, uh, um, shown me a lot of things and, uh, uh made me aware of, uh, right with everything that's going on uh with our government in our country up here in canada mm-hmm. well i've been um, keeping a close eye on it man i'm curious to hear about it from you but so you you said you've been a trucker for you said something like six years or something is that right i started in 2001 oh wow longer than um, that. okay yeah out, in, out west western canada and then uh slowly moved my way back to home I'm, I'm living back in my hometown uh raised my family got my two daughters my kids Mm-hmm. Uh, bring everybody back closer to my family. Um, so um, I retired, got off the road, March 2021. Um, I was able to uh, find an opportunity to, uh, you know, get something that got me off the road and still be uh, good for my family. So a lot of guys out there, a lot of the drivers, you know, they're uh, it's it's tough being on the road. When when guys, uh, you know, say they find it tough, it's because uh, you know when you ask them why don't you do something else, a lot of them don't know what else to do. So I found an opportunity. Uh, so I jumped into it and, uh, was a good transition. So, um, I'm still in the trucking industry working out of the office now. Um, so I was a part of the, uh, um, uh, the Ottawa convoy that way mm-hmm. where, uh, the, uh, I was able to work, uh, closely with a few of our guys ourselves, um, uh, you know, at ground zero. So that was a big thing for me because I got to see, uh, the old theory versus reality where, uh, what the media wants to tell you and what I was really able to see. So, so I guess, <clears throat> I mean, you've pretty much just said it there. The reason I was real curious to get you on is cause you're, you're, you know, you were involved with the, the freedom convoy and it almost sounds like, did you sort of have the backing of your, of your company to sort of take a stand? Um, how did that work? 
Absolutely. Um, it was actually, um, it started by uh, a couple of grassroots, a few grassroots individuals over on the western side of the country. Uh, they got the ball rolling. Um, they wanted to do it uh, um, right from the coast. So they had a, they had, uh, a group that started right in uh, Vancouver, British Columbia, and it started to uh, gain momentum and work its way uh, east. We actually had uh, an individual who's uh, works for another trucking company in town with us. Uh, he became very... Uh, um, um, you know, lit up about it. He got very excited because it was affecting, um, you know, so much. It was the, uh, the new mandate, the, uh, the trucker mandate started January 20th. And that's when this all started. And that's what, what uh, sparked the fire with, with all this. And we had, uh, um, in conjunction with the start of the convoy over on the West Coast, we started doing some of our own uh, um, uh, rallies, slow rolls, especially at the port of entries, one of the biggest border crossings in central Canada. So that uh, also helped build momentum and uh, totally got full support from, uh, um, from uh, you know, um, my employer when we were at, we were, uh, it, it uh, you know, it bonded all of us together. And uh, man, there's such a big, uh, um, um, there's so many of us with, uh, we compete each other. We were, you know, um, working, competing with each other, but this was an opportunity like uh, something I've never seen before to uh, bond so many people together. Yeah, well, it really caught my eye. Um, you know, I don't know if I necessarily would have heard about it were it not for social media. I think it got covered like just this much on American mainstream media. And it was very much like, you know, it was just barely giving it the time of day, um, their coverage. And I guess I'm I'm curious sort of of the timeline. It sounds like, are you saying there were slow rolls at the ports of entry before the main convoy uh that went to the capital is that right or which which i mean which came first the chicken or the egg because i saw all the footage from sort of the big the big convoy and you know there were all sorts of conflicting accounts as far as the number of trucks and this and that um so i wonder if you could give us sort of a condensed sort of timeline of how how one led to the next um yeah, so you're right there, Mike. It definitely started with the with the Freedom Convoy. The uh, um, it was uh, Chris Barber from Swift Current, Saskatchewan, and Tamara okay. Litch from Medicine Hat. Um, they were the two individuals who um, started it all. Worked with others to to uh, start right from the coast from British Columbia, and as it's worked its way, it, it gained momentum. There was, like I said, that there was so much fluctuation of people uh, joining in, uh, continuing on, almost like a marathon, like the old, you know, like uh, like Tom Hanks in uh, Forrest Gump for, running for along for a while. Yeah, yeah. yeah and you know, uh, uh, here's another individual, my brother, who happened to be he hauls, um, you know, uh, uh, grain bins for the farming industry, uh, oversized bins. And he was over in Saskatchewan, so what, he was fortunate enough to be, you know, working in that part of the in part, that part of the country when they came through. And you know, he came home, you know, and just the energy he had, uh, mm. like it, it does something to you would to be the, to see that kind of energy, right? The people that were only not in, involved in the convoy, but the people that were, you know, standing supporting that kind of thing, and to just uh, carry on the the sixty miles down our the Trans Canada Highway to join them. I could see it. Uh, he just, uh, it's, it's, it's highly motivating and that energy, uh, you know, it just like a, like a snowball just got bigger and bigger. And as it came further East, more and more people had all kinds of ideas of what to do, right? Little groups mm -hmm. here, little, little side wings here. And it just, it, uh, it grew very, very quickly. And, uh, um, the, the biggest part of the, 
um, the convoy that scared the government the most was the GoFundMe account. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I guess before we get to that, cause that's a whole can of worms and I, <laughs> I want to get there, but I heard everything from like 2000 trucks up to like 50,000. And I guess it's hard, you know, do you know exactly how many folks were in that convoy, uh, by the time it reached, uh, is it Ottawa? Is that the capital or is it uh, my geography? My geography is terrible, uh, up for Canada. So, you know. Try not to judge me, but I, 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 I couldn't tell, you know, where Winnipeg was if you had a gun to my head. So, yeah, no, Winnip- <laughs> I'm I'm over here in, in central uh, central Canada, uh, just 70 miles south of Winnipeg or uh, f- like I said, three about three hours north of Fargo. Um, um, 90, mm-hmm. I don't know if you know this, Mike, but 90 percent of Canadians live within 100 miles of the U.S. border. I believe I've heard that. Yeah. 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 So uh, I, I'm 12 miles. I, I'm a, I'm a border town kid. I grew up uh, every, every other Friday, dad got paid. Mm. We went down, crossed into North Dakota, got cheap gas, uh, um, a case of uh, Budweiser cans for $9. And we said, <laughs> God bless America and came home again. <laughs> Can you do that? Can you do that today? I mean, I guess definitely not today, but before COVID, could you still kind of make that easy trip across the border or has it been a lot harder? Absolutely. Before COVID, it was still, um, well, actually the biggest, the biggest impact with, um, the accessibility to crossing started in, uh, 9-11, obviously, but even there mm-hmm. after that, there mm-hmm. was a relationship and, you know, uh, um, trust again, where that came across COVID come across, you know, I haven't been to cross at my home port yeah, since 2019, wow, 20, uh, wow. early 2019. So, you retired sounds like just in the nick of time. Like, did you kind of see the writing on the wall uh, as far as mandates and stuff were going to go? Is that what caused you to quit or what was your impetus? Um, that was it. Yeah. One of the biggest things, um, our export, like we the freight we haul is 80% uh, goes down South cross border to the U S. Mm-hmm. So I was spending a lot of time heading South and, um, uh, the election was one of the biggest, uh, um, the, uh, the, the, the Trump Biden election when that changed, um, there were some, uh, hmm. uh, there were some definitely some concerns from all aspects of our business that, uh, that maybe decide to, uh, you know, scratch my head and reconsider, um, just the, and then just the opportunity there were, like I said, there was an opening at, uh, at, uh, at the company I was at that, uh, not a lot of guys had experience with. I did. I, I uh, had potential to jump in there, so took a leap, and uh, it's worked out great for me. And uh, yeah, no, I'm I'm in a good position right now. Glad to hear it. Glad to hear it. So, yeah, because um, I mean, I guess I'm curious how big a difference it really makes, like Trump versus Biden, because I mean, maybe if Trump had been in office, you could come across the border, but could you go back to Canada if you weren't vaccinated? I mean, I presume that was the issue, right? The vaccination mandate. It, uh, yeah, no, it was, um, I can't blame the, uh, the, uh, the U.S. election solely. It, you know, all the times I've crossed, it's, um, it's been smooth sailing, crossing, going back mm-hmm. south. We get such a hassle as Canadian citizens coming back into our own country. That's where I get haggled and 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 bothered the most. And it's still like that. This day. the drivers tell me it's still the same way. Yeah, seems awful backwards. Um, 
especially, I mean, yeah, you're bringing goods back into your home country. I mean, I guess they're maybe concerned with what smuggling and things, but that that's not even it anymore. It's just like, they're just giving you a hard time as an individual treating you like you're going to be some kind of vector for a disease, which has already crossed the border, right? You're not, you're not putting the cat back in the bag by doing this. That's what never made sense to me about these border restrictions. Really. It's like, the virus is on both sides of the border. Like how does it make any goddamn difference except to, um, I don't know, uh, block, uh, you know, block up the supply chain and cause issues that way. You, you know, I, I'd be curious if you have any idea of sort of what the motivation might be for that. Or do you think it's genuinely just people that are so stupid? They feel like they, they have control over the situation and they have to exercise it you're you're hitting the nail on the head there's a big question mark behind that and there's no logic really uh-huh. the, you know i was you know um driving when when the mandates all came down and started in um was it march march april of 2019 2020 uh, mm-hmm. and uh i was um i was i was out uh long driving I, I was doing the uh the far southwest los angeles las vegas phoenix area and uh we didn't know like there was a like Remember, you know, right from the start, two weeks to flatten the curve, right? right. Everybody had all kinds of questions, didn't know what to do. And, uh, you know, we just continued on doing what we were doing. But um, if, if anybody had been exposed, it would have been, you know, when a, when a driver pulls into a truck stop, you know, how many guys are pulling in there for anything, for fuel, for showering, for laundry, for groceries, from all parts of the country, you know, at any given time, there would have been any place or any time to get any more exposure would have been the driver. And, um, but we were essential, which was, you know, a huge asset at that time because it allowed me to keep going without, you know, the, the, the hassle. It was carte blanche to get through. But, um, yeah, the restrictions, you know, at the border and uh, a lot of the other things that just made guys scratch their head, like why or what, what's, what's happening with these, uh, with these mandates, uh, and uh, nobody, nobody can figure it out. Uh, the government of Canada dropped the uh, travel mandates within the country um, for flying. Now, finally, with all the pressure from the airline industry and all these other businesses. But the, uh, the big one, obviously, the one we're concerned about with, with our uh, industry, the one that got left behind and never got uh, relaxed or, or lifted was the restriction on... Uh, unvaccinated drivers crossing back into the u.s and i can't think of any other reason mm-hmm. you know um it, it, other than the fact that it's got something to do with some type of control on the economy yeah i mean i don't know how much you've looked into or heard about the great reset but it to me is almost undeniable like there is some some amount of fuckery afoot i hope you don't mind if i use the occasional f-bomb because sometimes it seems appropriate but i I just think some people are, you know, a lot of people are using the term uh, controlled demolition, right? Like cause a little bit of discomfort for the sake of implementing more stringent and tight controls, right? Um, I can't think of anything else that that really explains their behavior. Um, You know, you you can try to blame just pure incompetence. And frankly, your guy up there, Trudeau, seems almost as incompetent as our guy down here just from a distance um just cuz he 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 doesn't seem to even know what the hell he's even talking about half the time um he's just 
spewing like word vomit. And I, I think these politicians are not even the ones that are pulling the strings. It's the people, you know, in the, in the back room telling them sort of what to say to the people. But I mean, do you guys feel that way about Trudeau? Like what's the general vibe? Um, I guess I'm curious. I'm trying not to throw too many questions at you at once, but like, if you could put your uh, best guess as to like people who support the Canadian government versus people who are pretty much fed up, um, can you give like a ratio there? <laughs> I'm going to tell you the latest and greatest statistic. Uh, I, I saw a report that said Trudeau's approval rating is down to 8%. Eight. Wow. Eight, under 23. Right. Wow. Like we, we thought Biden was bad at 23, but Trudeau is down to eight. And uh you know, I'm glad you brought that up with the with the Great Reset. There, the uh, there's um, you bring that up with certain people, and of course, right? They look at you with that filter, like that you've got your aluminum tinfoil hat on, right? But, you're a crazy but, conspiracy nut, yeah, right, yeah, absolutely. But you know, the evidence is there. We find the links. It doesn't take much, even through Google, who is uh, notorious for for filtering and editing, right? For uh, um, uh, controlling what information gets popped up on the first right but there's all the information from the world economic forum we've seen clips of klaus schwab who's the leader you know talk about praising you know macron there at france and uh, zaleski in ukraine and and uh you know our sock puppet there mr trudeau about being young global ambassadors for the uh, for the world economic forum um our our um uh, deputy prime minister christia freeland She's a um, Ukrainian background. She's a personal assistant. She helped write the autobiography for George Soros. Hmm. Um, very, very proud of her, her stance at the World Economic Forum. It's been said um, that approximately uh, we have about uh, 60 members of cabinet that are, uh, are now tied and affiliated and uh, um, under favor of the World Economic Forum. See, it's, uh, the problem is that uh, uh, Canada has been a very, a very happy, a very neutral very basic, right? A kind of a, right? Uh, the fat kid in the corner with, right? Just, uh, he can get just pushed around kind of thing, right? We're the, we're the little cousin to the U.S. over uh -huh. here in the North America. And, uh, you know, the, these globalists are, 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 are foaming at the mouth, you know, for, for, for what we've got. And uh, Trudeau is definitely, uh, like you said, the, the, the word vomit is literally just like scripted lines, poorly mm -hmm. scripted lines, for, for what he's told to say that answers nothing when he gets questioned. And uh, it, you could said, you can almost see the strings on the back of a suit and it's, and it's Klaus Schwab mm -hmm. from the world economic mm -hmm. forum. That's pulling him. It's very obvious. Well, and it's like, you can, you can pretend like guys like you and I are conspiracy nuts, but we weren't really thinking this way two or three years ago. Most of us, I guess I'd be curious to hear like whether or not you've been sort of involved in the Liberty movement previously. Um, you know, I've, I've been a Liberty minded person for a long time, but I didn't feel the need to necessarily speak out or get involved uh, up until the last few years. But you know, it's like, you can't call it a conspiracy if they outright admit it. If they tell you on their website that this is what the Great Reset is, you know, it, this is our agenda. And, um, you know, Trudeau proudly states that he's a young global leader of the economic World Economic Forum. And it's like, so it is not a conspiracy. It's a matter of how how powerful is it? 
And it kind of seems like it's pretty powerful, pretty influential, and it should be looked at with a lot of skepticism. But I just don't see a guy like you even worrying about some global, um, you know, super club unless they forced your hand into caring and into paying attention. Right. I mean, does that make sense? It does. Um, you're right. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's coming where it's come where there's so much and it becomes so blatantly obvious. There's so much that's laid on the table. Um, before, you know, um, you know, I guess, I guess you could say almost like, and, and that's not probably the, our freedom convoy could almost be like the January 6th, you know, if in not comparison where, um, but, but it was something that it was, uh, you know, big and in, big into, uh, I guess, uh, opening people's eyes for, uh, for what, what, you know, what was being hidden or what was trying to be hidden for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, I was uh, before January of this year, I don't say I was so, you know, I didn't, I, I believed more in, in private sector, less, less public sector, less, you know, uh, didn't need the government, their hands and everything, right? Uh, I'm back in Manitoba here now where we have, um, you know, public insurance. So for my vehicles, I have only one choice and that's to get my insurance through the government or not at all, right? For back in Alberta, um, they've got, you know, um, a lot of the private sector. So I can choose my car insurance, home insurance, whatever I want, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Take it to registries, take it down. It, it's a big difference, right? In state to state or uh, like, like we've got in here with province to province. Um, but um, now here in January with everything that's come to light and like you said, the pressure on the, the tyrannical government, when, you know, when you push it, put the pressure on them, they've shown their teeth it's uh, I've definitely, uh, you know, with the rallying and everything we've seen, I've definitely become a lot more anti-government. That's for sure. And uh, mm-hmm. and that means doing a lot more and networking with people who feel the same way, who are ready for more when it comes. And um, and that means uh, doing as much as I can to keep the government out of my pocket and uh, to keep the government's hands out of my pocket with with, uh, you know, just, yeah, um, buying local buying cash and uh yeah i'm just uh become uh uh it's opened my eyes here in the last seven months and it a lot and a, and a lot of people have here as well too um so we're, we're just working hard at uh keeping putting the pressure on the government and uh just helping more people see be exposed for uh you know, that the ones that come to you and they're, they're just not sure they have the questions, but they just don't know, you know, what answers to have. But, uh, I don't know. We, uh, we're just put, keep keeping the pressure on the government, uh, mm-hmm. for, for what's going on. That's for sure. Cause yeah. they're, cause they're not giving up. No, but you have to make sure that they know that you're not giving up either. Right. You can't let them walk all over you. Um, which kind of brings me maybe to the next obvious question, which is, um, I'm not sure how to ask it exactly, but how are Canadians of, of sort of like mind to you, how are they handling the gun thing? Cause I know you, mm-hmm. you all have a lot tougher restrictions up there, right? Are you currently under an assault weapons band? Is that correct? Uh, the, the government right now, the Trudeau administration is doing a, uh, the, as much as they can to, uh, 
to ban guns. Uh, he, here's here's a, a good way to describe to you or to show you um, the uh, competency of the Trudeau administration. Um, was last year they had uh, added they they what they do is they they find and, and it's mostly the the semi-automatic um, the the two two three five five six you know mm-hmm. that that platform right the AR platform basically any type mm-hmm. of semi-automatic rifle that's what they're trying to to get rid of. They came out and they made an official announcement of all the all the models the uh, of guns that were now banned in Canada, and yeah, and about uh, didn't take long. A, B, and uh, they had banned they had banned Black Rifle Coffee Company. <laughs> <laughs> Shows what they know, right? Shows what right. they know. Wow. Yeah, we had a we had a local individual here in Manitoba. This was years ago, back in the uh, the early '90s when they started the uh, the gun registration. You know, we had individuals uh, who uh, decided that they were going to prove the uh, incompetency of the government. Too. Yeah, he went into the shop and then he had his caulking gun, his glue gun, right, and uh, uh, staple gun. <laughs> <laughs> no shit and uh he he, he uh he registered them all and oh they uh, gave him a serial and a plate number for it like it, it, it's a joke really the uh right and uh it's it's just been um very frustrating uh uh this side of the border yeah the very very jealous of the second amendment let's just say that um the mm-hmm. uh, the United States needs to work very, 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 very hard that they don't lose that. Um, don't give them an inch. They'll give you, right? They'll take a mile. Don't mm-hmm. fucking give them an inch. Pardon my French. Hey, not at all, man. Not at all. So, I mean, isn't it, it was like a mandatory buyback program that they were talking about. Is that a thing now? Is that, is that the yeah, law? You, you know what? They just talked about that this morning. The, uh, Trudeau's, uh, I don't even know what his appointment is. It's something with the Minister of Public Safety or something. Mm-hmm. But he's a greasy lawyer from Toronto who's now working at, uh, you know, with uh, all these technicalities and terms and everything like that. He's working at doing that. And, yeah, he made the announcement that uh, they're working at now in the, um, the in the upcoming weeks and months about, you know, and uh, quote-unquote mandatory buyback system. So... It, it's coming, yeah. But I'll tell you, nobody, nobody's a better salesman than who? Politicians, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if, I think I might have tagged you in that link earlier. Um, I've been trying to send you some information or show you some more stuff, but uh, I think it came out last week. Um, the um, the uh, CFO, so that's the, um, the firearms officers in Canada. Um, man, our hands are tied when it comes to handguns. But Trudeau, um, I don't know if you saw the announcement of, of what is it, a, a few weeks back? saying that you know the market in canada is now capped for handguns so no more handguns in canada no more importing parts no more selling handguns period um they sold we sold sixty thousand handguns in 10 days Nineteen thousand of them out of the province of ontario so they just they all sold out overnight any store that had handguns for sale immediately said our storefront is closed the doors are locked our staff are now busy doing online orders for the next who knows how long great salesman right Mm. so do you think people are going to um comply with this buyback program and if they don't comply what do you expect the government might do um it's it's tough to say they've uh they've been a they've been a little chihuahua that's barked about uh gun laws and red you know time and time again you know Mm -hmm. the the um the last minister 
tried to put back together some type of, uh, you know, um, you know, buyback program, like an initiative, right, bring a gun and get some type of coupon or a gift card or, or you know, value of things like that, right? Mm-hmm. They couldn't get anybody to help them. Nobody stepped forward to build some type of, um, you know, program system that the government could use to implement, a, you know, a buyback plan. Nobody wants to help the government do it. So we'll, we'll, we'll see a lot of people are, are uh, you know, are uh, just, uh, we, we just kind of like, you know, poke with a stick and go, come on, do something, right? It's it's mm-hmm. it's the same smoke mirrors every time. But um, the, this last one with the handguns, that was definitely a big one. So, I mean, if, if they're holding true to what they said, there's not any more handguns coming into Canada, but 60,000 people just bought, you know, handguns now. So mm-hmm. no, no, one, no one's prepared to give anything up. Mm-hmm. That's what I would hope. Um, you know, they can, they can say anything they want, but without sort of, um, without consent, without compliance, what are they going to do? I mean, it gets to the point where if they want to fulfill this goal to rid the streets of Canada of all firearms, they will have to go confiscate. And if they go confiscate, people are going to die. You know, I just presume that would be how it would go. Maybe not every house, you know, some people will hand them over. Other people will not. And I don't think anybody wants that. So it's, it's kind of like how, uh, how much bluffing are they prepared to do? Um, I, you know, I guess it, it kind of takes me back now to, I'm thinking about the, um, the trucker convoy and, this idea of sort of nobody wanting to enforce what the government said, right? I heard, and you can tell me if this is true or not, but I heard that when Trudeau called for all these semis to get towed out of the streets, uh, the tow truck companies basically said like, no, like we're not with you. We're with them. Like go pound sand. Um, is that, is that generally what happened or was that just a story? Um, that has how it started. You are right. They went to, uh, the trucking companies in Ottawa and, mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah, they gave them the burden. They said, we're here with the truckers. Uh, they finally had to, uh, go out, I believe all the way to Toronto, the Toronto area, probably so probably about an hour and a half, two hours away to find a trucking company or a, a tow company and mm-hmm. probably, you know, fold enough bills in their pot in their palm to, you know, to get them to do it but they finally found a trucking company or excuse me a towing company out of toronto that did it and uh it it, it definitely had egg on the face of the government knowing that you know they had to you know pay you know somebody well you know what i shouldn't even say that i, I need to stand corrected it got so bad that the the government was you know basically said you know uh and i believe they did that in alberta as well when they cleared the uh the big uh the border crossing there they basically told them like if, if you if you say no you're aiding and abetting and you can be arrested that way like i mean mm-hmm. which is bullshit yeah but you know tyrannical government showing its teeth right mm-hmm. so they they threatened legal action um they obviously pulled every dirty trick out of the hat right so i saw stuff about them stealing you know jerry cans full of diesel um that were destined for truckers to keep them from basically freezing to to death on the streets in January. Right. Um, they were confiscating gas and they, they froze bank accounts and everybody knows about how they shut down GoFundMe. Um, and then didn't they also shut down give, send, go after a little while too? 
Yeah, yeah, I mentioned that earlier. The uh, the uh, GoFundMe was the I'm I'm certain is and, and that's the reason why she's in jail this weekend again. Um, Tamara Lich from Medicine Hat, she was the one that created the GoFundMe account, um, started a lot of it, you know, got everything going, a start date, got people from different provinces together, uh, province, provincial captains, and uh, it, it, it caught fire. I mean, I think they, they were, man, I want to say it was about $10 million in, in, in 11 days. And yeah. it was, it, it was, it was just on fire. Like it was, they couldn't believe how fast it was building. And the, uh, someone had said that it actually, they had raised more money than any political party in Canadian history in that amount of time. Wow. Right. The, <laughs> the strength that this group had and they, they were open and transparent about every, right. That's, that's what scared the government. There's a, there's a group of people, you know, Coming down the highway, blue collar truckers, uh, welders, um, you know, all these different blue collar trades coming down the highway with uh, all kinds of money coming in this account. Um, the organizers were very transparent. They organized a financial committee, they hired lawyers, you know, they didn't take any money out of here. But um, yeah, that was the big statistic that got everybody's attention. Like they were, they had more money than, than uh, any political party had in that amount of time. And uh, the government, yeah, got a hold of GoFundMe and froze the account. And um, what turned a lot of people off was that uh, they told GoFundMe to just, um, you know, go put, go, go and distribute that money elsewhere. Like, don't even let, don't even let allow the the people who donated to get their money back. And that really raised a, a lot of uh, concern. A lot of people spoke up about that, and they held off on that. Um, they started a second one, the, the go send me, uh, right. I believe that's the one give, and I think it's give, send, go. Yes. Yes. Thanks. Yeah. Can't keep track of all. <laughs> that's okay. And, uh, that almost the, uh, the same amount of money was raised again, yeah. but this time it was the, I believe it was the provincial government in Ontario under, uh, you know, provincial rules, pulled their feet out again, uh, even with the, with the cryptocurrency, that that was uh, that was trying to be transferred that way, and I think there was also one more. I believe there was one more uh, major one. It was almost, and then that one I believe was hit almost three million dollars before it was shut down. Don't quote me on that, but I know there was the two big ones, and there was about seventeen million dollars in total that was raised mm-hmm. for this for this group. And mm-hmm. um, the the whole idea behind the go the the GoFundMe account to start was to do nothing more than to support the people who were committed to coming along, right? To put the fuel in their tanks, to pay for their, um, their groceries, to cover any expenses that would happen on the road if anybody's truck broke down, mm-hmm. to just help, you know, cover anybody's cost for coming out, you know, to the capital to to show the government that we were, you know, not not going to comply with these mandates. And uh, the, the rest of the money uh, was literally heading to the, the veterans. Veteran affairs you know, that was all going to the veterans and there was millions of dollars going to the veterans. So that, that's a really big thing that, uh, that stunk, uh, with the government coming out of this, um, taking funds that, uh, you know, was destined for the veterans of, of, of all people at, at the thing. Right. And, uh, you know, if, if, uh, if anybody's accounts were frozen, the, the, these these huge uh, sums of money that were collected for this for this grassroots movement 
to have the government do that, I can't believe more people aren't, you know, you know, carrying torches in the streets because of that. Oh, like, man. it's just such a huge red flag and nobody seems to care. That is, that is, to me, it's almost the most egregious act is like to, to get in the way of, of, I don't know how to say this, this is quite exactly, but it's a voluntary exchange of money between people, right? This is, it's none of their business, but they, they found a way to make it their business. Um, clearly if, if, if the money is to support a protest against them, they're going to do everything they can. But, you know, what it boils down to is it's them exercising what I would say is a right that they do not have, right? To, to interrupt, you know, any form of commerce that they have no, no business interrupting. And I heard again, did people's personal bank accounts get frozen? Like some of the sort of organizers or uh, leaders of this thing. Is that true? Just a few individuals. Okay. Um, um, I know that um, most of the people um, that were involved with the convoy itself, there was an ex RCMP who was a, um, um, a bodyguard or on Trudeau's guard. RCMP team. for for the American listeners, that's the Mounties, right? Yeah, the uh, Royal Canadian Mounted Police. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which is the uh, the federal uh, would be like the the, the federal uh, police organization. So I don't know if you would. So like they're to... not they're not all literally riding horseback anymore, right? It's it's like the FBI or something of that nature, right? Exactly. Yeah, it would be okay. the it would be any type of federal uh, administration, right? So that would be what FBI, CIA, uh, CIA uh, DEA, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Maybe the whole Department of Homeland Security. I guess I don't. You know, we've got so many different branches of law enforcement here. I, you know, it sounds like maybe more of it falls under the the Mounties. Down here, it's like who knows? You know, there's secret police. There's the you know front facing police. It's a uh, it's a smorgasbord. Yeah, unfortunately, um, the uh, the the RCMP uh, are involved in in scandals and and controversy um, uh, with the Trudeau administration as well. And it's just, it, and it's come to light here just last week. The uh, the Halifax Examiner. Um, in the province of Nova Scotia, just north of Maine, there uh, blew the whistle on the uh, uh, information that the uh, RCMP commissioner had literally withheld information, propped up answers and evidence from the probably one of the biggest mass shootings in Canada to help the uh, Trudeau Liberals, you know, gain momentum in um, pushing their um, their 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 gun agenda. Mm-hmm. And, and and what's crazy is that they don't like they flat out lied about it too. Trudeau was asked in front of the press and like you said, spit out the word vomit and just kind of mumbled through it and no, we would never do that. And 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 it's left at that. Well, you said earlier it's like it's kind of it's surprising there aren't more people with torches and pitchforks at this point. Um it's almost disappointing, but I think we're living in an age now where torches and pitchforks aren't gonna get you anywhere. Um, not unless there's a whole bunch of you, you know? So I think, I think the Liberty movement on both sides of the, of the border are kind of recognizing that same, that same fact is like, don't, don't meet the enemy on their, their battlefield. Like let's, let's kind of play this smart. Let's, 
you know, build networks, build communities, um, you know, without saying anything too specific, I hope that us boys down south of the border uh, might find ways to get you boys up north of the border what you need. You know what I'm saying? And, um, you know, we're all on one team as far as the liberty movement goes. Uh, as far as I can tell, you know, I see I see kind of the stuff that you post on Instagram. Um, you know, you've pointed me towards a couple other guys uh, who are doing some really cool stuff. And you seem no different. I, I literally said to you, I said, I had no idea you were even Canadian till I, till I saw you make a post about it. I, I guess I hadn't really scrolled through and looked at your, your photos too much, but we had been messaging back and forth and it's like, holy shit, you're a Canadian truck driver. Like, let's talk, man. So I really do. I appreciate you coming on the show. Um, you're probably the first person I've had on uh, without ever having spoken to you like before. Yeah, uh, that's right. So. You know, we just kind of rolled the dice and figured we'd see how it goes. But I I was really, I was impressed with what I saw out of the convoy. Uh, you compared it to the January 6th thing down here. And I think you're not quite giving yourselves enough credit because, I mean, the January 6th thing was kind of an embarrassment, in my opinion. Um, it was disheveled. It was manipulated. It was, I think it was, it achieved the opposite of what it was supposed to achieve, right? what I saw from the Canadian convoy is you guys really operating with like a whole lot of love and, and respect and like dignity. And, um, you know, you weren't charging any like facilities, you weren't breaking windows or doors. You were just doing your thing out in the streets on public property. It seemed like you had a good sort of common code of ethics going into it. that kept everybody from, you know, doing anything foolish. Right. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. I, uh, I had another thought that I was going on where I compared it to January 6th with things that were being, you know, happening with the committee afterwards. And I should have clarified that. I'm sorry, Mike. Sure, but, sure. Uh, you know, you're, you're absolutely right with the uh, with the convoy. And, you know, uh, that was probably the thing that, you know, probably got Trudeau upset the most was that you know he wanted to you know like you know like mr smithers released the hounds he wanted to mm -hmm. let them go right he wanted people to break windows he wanted people to start smashing things start pushing with the cops and none of that happened and mm -hmm. they got so mad that they had to they 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 had to make their own story they had to uh come up with their own reason um they've uh one of the first ones we saw they had an individual walking through the crowd um, with a with a full you know balaclava ski mask, holding a, uh, a Confederate flag with a with a semi truck on it, and uh, you know trying to point fingers at the at the at the Confederate flag for some reason, you know planted you know a planted false flag. He wasn't saying nothing, just walking through the crowd, and you can mm -hmm. see the videos of of uh, you know um, people there calling him out, saying hey you know you know, you're not one of us, like get leave, out get, of out, here. Of here. get, get out, out of here, get out of here. Yeah. Yeah. The other big one was the, uh, the photos that, that was, that was leaked to the press of, of the Nazi flag. And I was going to say, I thought I saw a picture with a swastika and everybody with a brain down here following this stuff said bullshit, you know? Yeah, yeah it was, it, it was really obvious. It didn't take long to uh to see that it that that was completely staged uh the the photos were taken by an individual uh who was um, not even anywhere near the protest 
on private ground, you know, um, and, and the, uh, the ironic thing, it was Trudeau's private photographer that was seen there in the group with the flag. Like you couldn't even figure that out to get him out of the way before you took the pictures and released it to the media. No kidding. No kidding. Again, these guys, I, apparently they're just not that intelligent, you know? But they used it and in they that they had that that those little seeds planted is the only thing they could think of. It was the uh the other big issue that happened uh down in southern Alberta, um, at the at the Coots uh Coots border crossing there, Sweetgrass, Montana. That was the the other um I guess the if, if you want to call the Freedom Convoy the number one event or the number one thing that happened, the, other, the, the biggest thing that branched off of it was the, the full border closure mm-hmm. at uh, probably the biggest border crossing in, in Western Canada uh, coming up. It's, that's the, it, it's what connects uh, I-15 into uh, Western Canada, Calgary and Edmonton, right in that, um, in that I-15 lane coming up from, from the ports of Los Angeles, right? So that Southern California area, a lot of free coming up there, a lot of, uh, right? So they had a group that, that set up the, uh, they called their they called the bluff they they uh, they told the RCMP they were coming they wanted to do a peaceful protest kind of like we did in Manitoba they were just going to do a slow roll you know kind of block traffic and slow people down not not block completely but make it a hassle crossing both ways and uh, sure. they had a they had a couple of freedom fighters that showed up with a uh, you know an eleven axle setup with a uh, huge uh, you know piece of uh, earth moving equipment on on it right. Yeah. Uh, 200,000 pounds, drove it across the interstate, you know, uh, pulled the button, ripped the airlines off and, and took the keys out and walked away. (laughs) Shut down. (laughs) That's how it started. Man, you boys, you boys showed us up this past winter. I'm telling you, man, I thought what this, this whole thing was so cool. So just in your face, like we're not just protesting. We're going to disrupt shit a little bit here. We're going to show you we mean business. And, um, you know, I know that some American truckers did a, did a convoy from, from the West coast to the East, but I didn't hardly see anything about it. Um, again, like the, the, the control of information is so obvious right now. They're, they're actively suppressing certain things. So I didn't hear a lot about how that went down here, but I did see enough about the border closure and the the original convoy to know that you guys really, you didn't hold back. You went for it, and I respect it. You know, it so cheers, awesome. cheers, cheers to the uh, patriots in Canada, man. I'm drinking yeah, some some fine, uh, you know, some fine U.S. rye whiskey here, but I know you guys make good whiskey up north too. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, I'm just north of. Uh, I'm just south of the. Um, the uh, Crown Royal plant. That's about, uh, uh, about 200 miles North of me. Mm-hmm. Cool. Cool. The, uh, the, uh, getting to, you know, just talking about the, uh, the border crossing, mm-hmm. the, that's, that's how, um, the government finally infiltrated it. We talk about the, uh, um, the false flags with the, uh, with the, with the jackass, with the Confederate flag. And, um, the uh the the planted photos with the uh the nazi flag while over in coots alberta they uh they um they planted some planted some guns on on a group of guys that were um not even involved they they admitted they weren't involved with the uh, the border closure at coots but somehow they were there put there arranged splashed their pictures up in the media um made the headlines all over that uh you know was infiltrated now that the 
the group at Coots was, you know, armed and dangerous, that kind of thing. They wanted to remain peaceful. They wanted to stay strong, but they knew that uh, the the government had just planted uh, false flags through the media, which are bought and paid for by the government, mm-hmm. and um, decided to uh, yeah they had no other choice. They didn't they didn't want it to become violent, um, so they stepped away. They uh, they opened up the border, and it was a it was a big punch in the gut because everybody knew that it was planted. It didn't take long, and I believe it was. Um, not even three weeks later, and they had another um, arrest using the same damn picture of the guns that were planted that they, they picked up in Coots. Like, you know, somebody over in the uh, advertising department at the RCMP who are media, media press release needs to uh, um, go through Google to find more pictures. Yeah, yeah. No kidding. It's like they're not even trying, but unfortunately it still kind of seems to work no matter how half-assed of a job they do. It's like there's a lot of people, at least down here, that just still go along with the with the narrative. I mean, is it is it that way up there too? I presume it is, and and you'll see it in a lot of the bigger cities, mm-hmm. right? Our, in our liberal cities, like the Democrat cities, right? Um, Toronto, uh, Vancouver, um, those that's those are, that's your LA and Chicago, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's a lot better in the rural areas, but um, you know. It's it's tough to even have any confidence in a vote right now because the electoral reform is set up um, where it's 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 you know it's almost impossible to to beat this guy because you know he's got the that southern Toronto area the southern Ontario area area with the Toronto and that existing area um, I bet you that's probably about twenty five thirty percent of Canadians live down in that area it's a big number but there's probably more ridings um, down in that area than, than um, you know, just about half of Canada. So, you know, with all the other votes coming in, it really doesn't matter because of just the way the, uh, the, uh, the reforms are set up. And, and uh, it, it's, not, it's, it's, not a, it's not a fair voting system. The last two elections that Trudeau has been in, mm-hmm. he's lost by the popular vote. The last one here in 2019, 2020, he lost by over 300,000 votes on the popular vote. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of people are losing, um, losing faith in, in at least our form of democracy right now. You know, I think you may or may not be aware I'm, I'm a full blown anarchist. Like I don't bother voting. I don't really see a political solution to any of this. Um, at the same time though, I, I, I wouldn't disparage anybody from like getting involved in politics if they think they can make a difference that way, especially on the local level. I think if we can take back control of our local, you know, town councils, city governments, like that's a really good thing. But as far as influencing our our federal government, I just don't see it happening. Um, you know, they're all in the pocket of the WEF, you know. So if we can't if we can't at least take over our own towns, you know, that needs to be the first, the first, uh, priority. Um, you know, to me, the practical solution is, is to do more, like you said earlier, uh, do more business in cash, right? Person to person, let's cut the government out of as much as we can. And we take our own power back that way. Um, but you know, I don't think there's any silver bullet. It's like, we all need to fight in our own kind of way. Um, but 
they're clearly like, I don't know if they realize that they're bringing the shit down upon their own heads by doing all this nonsense. They're, they're radicalizing us and we don't want to be radical, but they're forcing us to be. Yeah, you're exactly right. And, uh, you know, I agree with what you said earlier and, and that's why I'm, I'm glad to be talking to you today. Um, people say, you know, uh, uh, what about this candidate, that candidate? I'm full and, and fully uh, agreeing right now. There's no fucking point in voting anymore. Um, we've had two uh, instances. Um, our premier, so it would have been um, this, uh, a premier of our province, which would be similar uh, to the, the governor of the state. Governor, yeah, yeah. He, uh, in, in, in the midst of all everything here, he, he just, he got cold feet. He just, he packed his bags and he said, I'm out of here. He literally, uh, sold his house in the city and uh, uh, fucked off to his property in uh, Costa Rica. We haven't seen him since. Anyways. The, and he's the, still technically, he's still in charge? He's No, no, no. He uh, okay. he handed over his position of power and, uh, you know, uh, he resigned huh. and uh, very, very quickly and huh. basically left it open to the, to the party, uh, the conservative party, which would be like, which would be like a Republican party, uh, but more or less a rhino party right now. Sure. Sure. Right. Republican in name only. Yeah. And uh, he, here's the first thing, Mike, when when what got my attention about that, you know, we had a candidate who was in the in the conservative party in our provincial conservative party. Great guy. He was uh, dead set against, you know, the mandates. He the lockdowns he against it all. Right. He was for the people. Complete support of the Freedom Convoy. Um, there was stipulations, obviously, in order to run, you know, in an election. He, he, he was a member of the party, but he needs, you know, so and so many signatures, so and so much revenue, that kind of thing, which he easily, easily had. Right. He had the support. We had uh, record numbers of people, um, you know, buying memberships so that they could have the opportunity to vote for him in this upcoming election. And uh, somewhere in the party, they just decided, uh, yeah, no, we're just not going to let him run. We just we don't we think we just don't want him to run like we don't, he doesn't fit our narrative, right? In the party, which mm-hmm. is like, what do you mean? We've, he, he's, he more than qualifies mm-hmm. for, for everything like that, but just didn't let him in. Um, the, uh, even the though, big, even though he's got the popular, even though he has the popular support just because he's not a part of the club. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And that was the other thing too. They saw the momentum behind him. They mm-hmm. saw the reason people were, were buying memberships and, uh, they got scared. They didn't want him in. They didn't fit the narrative and come up with any other reason than just say, we're not letting you run. I don't know if you can hear those going off, but that's America right there, man. I got, you know, we're still five days out from the fourth, but I got neighbors shooting off fireworks right here. <laughs> that's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Um, you said, you said you can see the, the fourth of July uh, fireworks from where you're at. Can't you? Or just the, just the glow. No, absolutely. I remember as a kid, um, um, mom and dad would, well, we had, so tomorrow's our uh, national holiday. It's Canada Day tomorrow, July 1st. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, we would sit on the roof and uh, look to the south and we could see, uh, we could see um, the, the, the fireworks uh, from North Dakota very easily. I remember as a kid going across and going camping with my buddies to the, uh, to the park. Uh, the, uh, the first town was uh, about three miles across the border, a little farm community. But uh, we would rent a camp spot and uh, we'd pitch all our money together, buy about a hundred bucks for the fireworks, and uh, yeah, have a, have an awesome time. 
<laughs> and then something yeah. we couldn't do as a kid growing up fireworks were illegal i couldn't get fireworks in canada well shoot man i think you need to just immigrate on down here if you can <laughs> <laughs> we could I, use you we could use what if all the patriots just just i hate to say it you don't want to bail on your home country man but if y'all need to get out of canada i i'd hope you know we'd be able to welcome you down here uh, cause we can use every good man we can get. Uh, we appreciate the invite. We got the, uh, there was a, um, uh, Senator, I believe from New Mexico. Did you uh-huh. see about that? That offered the, uh, uh, asylum from the Canadian government to move to New Mexico. No way. No way. I did not see this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was, um, I forget her name, but yeah, she offered, they, they were offering, uh, you know, asylum from the Canadian government to come down to New Mexico. That which we thought was pretty cool. At least somebody can see, right? The, what, what's happening now is like because our media is so controlled. It, it's like it's like mm-hmm. everybody can see what's happening to Canada, except for Canadians, and that's the frustrating mm-hmm. part. Yeah, yeah, man. Didn't you say uh, something to me in one of our messages about like if you fly a Canadian flag or if you have a Canadian flag on your social media, people assume you're like alt right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, it's almost, been, it's almost like that down here too. I, I'll yeah. say, I'll say, um, which is just so crazy. If you, if you're flying your nation's flag, which, you know, in essence represents the government as much as it does the nation. Um, I guess that could be debated. You know, the flag should represent the nation and not the government. But the fact that you can get labeled as some kind of extremist for flying your own nation's flag is just so upside down, inside out and backwards. I can't even can't even rationalize it. That that's where that's where we are at right now, too, in Canada. I've uh, I, I've kept um, kept a couple of my flags Um I am on my third one on my hockey stick. I've got one stuck in the uh, in the back of the box of my uh, pickup truck. I'm not scared to fly it. I get about uh, ten waves and uh, uh, middle finger uh, for every middle finger. So there's there's a lot of support, but there's still the you know the 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 um, like you said the 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 people were offended, upset by by how the convoy happened. So the the flag now uh, uh, is tarnished. It now represents the movement of, of right wing nationalists, and I've been told that to myself, to my face. It's uh, it's it's disheartening sometimes, actually. You know, it makes me think of like how do we proceed, right? Um, and I guess I can't answer that for anybody else, but I think there's something about like we can't let them hijack the meaning of things. Like we have to proudly continue to fly our flag, and like you know, like I said, you know. I had my own little internal dialogue there of like, does the American flag represent the government or does it represent the nation, the people? Um, and I think it, it represents the people, man. And like, they've tried to control the people long, you know, way too long. And it's, it's, it's about time. We just stop, stop complying, but we have to do it in a really strategic, smart way. So, so they don't ruin our lives. Um, you know, if we if we let them, they will ruin our lives before we can accomplish what we want to accomplish. Right. Yeah. And that's how bad um, that's how bad the woke culture, the political correctness has become. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll give you an example. 
Um, so I don't know if you've heard of the name James Top. Uh, James Top, uh, a remarkable man, a 28-year veteran of the Canadian Army. Uh, you know what he decided to do? He was so moved and he wanted to um, say his own thing in Ottawa that he did this, what he did is he went out to the West Coast in Vancouver and he started walking with a 40-pound rucksack and he walked from Vancouver all the way to Ottawa. I think mm-hmm. it's just about, I think it's, man, I want to say it's probably about 3,500, 4,000 miles. Sounds right? about right. Yeah. That'd be like walking from Seattle down to Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. I think, right? I think maybe further, but something like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, something like that. Yeah. He, he planned his trip to, for this day, he arrived in Ottawa today. No kidding. To be, to be in can to be in Ottawa for Canada day celebrations. And, and, uh, the, you mm-hmm. should see like, uh, well, here's another way to describe, uh, the, uh, the January 6th and compare that sense the, the the fences the barricades the police the the SWAT teams the tactical units the snipers the tow trucks now that are lined up for a peaceful group that are literally coming in walking behind this Canadian Forrest Gump who has literally been walking with a rucksack since uh you know February who served who served the government served the country for 20 20 years you said yeah 28 28 years yeah if the if the government is that terrified of its own people, you you have to recognize they've done something to deserve it. You know, absolutely. It's um, it's it's a big part of of why everything's on lockdown again here now. And I'm I'm fully convinced that's the reason why Tamara Litch is back in jail again this weekend. She was, like I said, the the founder of the Freedom Convoy. She was the second one to be, no, excuse me, the first one to be arrested when, you know, when when the when the when the foundation of the convoy, the, the peaceful protest started to crumble. They started arresting the 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 leaders. They arrested Tamara Litch. They arrested Chris Barber and then they started going in with these final excuse me, the final notices to these truckers get out before before we start you know getting out and and that didn't mean just hooking up with a tow truck right they were they were literally smashing windows you know and and pulling people out of their vehicles you know hauling them away arresting them for mischief you know processing them dropping them off at the other side other side of town um it it got really sour really quick um the three gentlemen that were uh from my company obviously didn't want to take it that far and they've, they've got a, a career yet. They've still got somewhere to be, right? They, they said their piece. They made their point. They had to get out of there. They left the night before, but it wasn't, uh, it wasn't the next day that were, uh, um, they started chipping away and, uh, and, and started tearing down. They had no other way. They couldn't think of any other way to, uh, to get rid of this, uh, the, get rid of the, uh, the, the protest there. So yeah, they're scared shitless right now of this guy, this veteran coming down with, with yeah. his people walking behind him. And they, uh, uh, he, you know, here's the thing with the flag to, to finish off what I, the, the point I was trying to make right now to get past the checkpoint of the RCMP, they will not yet let you in. If you're carrying a flag, if you have a flag, if you have a little flag with you, you are not allowed to carry any protest, uh, propaganda, they call it. Mm-hmm. That's where we're at right now. 
Well, but I bet you if you were flying the, uh, you know, the Chinese Communist Party flag, you'd be just fine. Um. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it wasn't shortly after the uh, the convoy was dissolved. Um, the, uh, the war started with, with, uh, you know, with Ukraine and Russia. And like I said, our deputy mm-hmm. prime minister, um, was, uh, you know, on the same streets down in Wellington and downtown Ottawa in front of Parliament Hill, our white house seen marching with a, you know, a group, uh, you know, the pray for Ukraine group holding mm-hmm. a, an, uh, an Azov battalion, an old Azov battalion, uh, banner. Yeah. Really, right? Like, and people are uh, just too fucking stupid to recognize the irony. That's thanks, the crazy Mike. part. That's the, the crazy calling part. the kettle black. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Man, I I feel for you guys up there because we're going through it in our in our own way. But I think, uh, you know, like you said, thank God for the Second Amendment. I just bought my AR a couple of weeks ago. You know, I've got my rifle, um, and I I think every able-bodied man in both the U S and Canada should try to get their hands on a good rifle. Um, cause the more of us that do the less they can fuck us around. It's as simple as that. And people, people don't like to admit it, but it really is as simple as that. Like in the United States, I believe we have like 1.3 million in the armed forces. Okay. We've got 133 million armed citizens. So that's, that's not nothing. And I imagine maybe up in Canada, it's not too dissimilar, even with all the, you know, added restrictions that you guys have enough of that freedom and like pioneer culture that there's a lot of hunters and and outdoorsmen. And I hope that, um, I hope, I hope that those of you that are inclined to arm yourselves are doing so actively, you know, and I won't ask you to speak on that. Cause like, let's keep you, um, out of any trouble, but I hope that everybody there who can, you know, gets, gets set up with a good kit. Honest yeah. to God. We, we don't, we definitely don't have, we're very, very jealous of the second amendment and the rules that you've got. Um, mm-hmm. we obviously, uh, don't have any, uh, concealed carry or open carry, um, allowances for things like that. But, you know, mm-hmm. um, Trudeau decided to speak up when someone asked him about, you know, the gun issues a couple weeks ago. And he, you know, just casually threw it in where, you know, Canadians are allowed to hunt and, you know, to sport, uh, you know, sport clay, that kind of thing to skeet shoot. But, you know, he, he just casually threw it in where, but, you know, you know, you're not allowed to use guns. Canadians cannot use guns to defend themselves. He likes throwing it in. He likes saying that because, you know, that it makes him feel tough with, you know, to push his agenda. The truth of the matter is we've had uh, uh, a few court cases in the last couple of years. Uh, ranchers, uh, landowners in, in Alberta and Saskatchewan who defended their land, uh, you know, shot and, and killed a couple of people, you know, mm-hmm. stealing breaking into their property, um, you know, on their land who, who've won their case in court. Uh, unfortunately, unfortunately though, in order to do that, right, the, the, your name is drugged through the muck and you pretty much got nothing left to you after you're done with, with the court costs and Mm -hmm. and then the, the financial costs, but you, you've still got your name and your reputation and, and you're, you're free. You're still free. So it's, 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 um, it's kind of, it's it's a tough thing to really uh, confirm. Uh, I, I've I've asked uh, 
you know officers about that like what are my rights what i can really do the 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 format right if if the gun is in the, in the safe and the ammunition is in the other locked cabinet and if someone breaks in the house if i have that seven and a half minutes to go down and do that then i guess you can technically use your gun to defend yourself right so what's the answer really no you're dead before right it's such a it's such a passive and and uh, and uh, hand tied uh, uh, legislation that uh, it's very tough to uh, to comply by what they tell you is legal and not. Well, you might have you might have seen I I posted today like because tomorrow July first um, Indiana is officially constitutional carry. So I I made a point to cut my concealed carry permit up into pieces because frankly i shouldn't have needed that to begin with uh in my opinion so i made the point of like you know well i'm gonna just take the opportunity while i can to carry illegally for one day one day before (laughs) it becomes legal again yeah cut that little bitch up and the point is like like i said i shouldn't have needed it to begin with and you can always do it without permission okay now i recognize that there's risk but I've heard people say, and it makes sense to me, uh, I'd rather get in trouble for having my gun than die because I didn't have my gun, right? So it's a matter of sort of how much trouble you're willing to get in. You know, it sounds like up in Canada, there's a lot of ways you can get in trouble, right? But it's kind of like, do you want to be, do you want to be Mr. You know, goes along with the rules to get along? Or do you want to actually be capable And like you said, you got to store your gun in a safe and your ammunition in a separate safe. Well, you might as well be fully disarmed. You might as well be fully disarmed. There's a reason down here in the States, back in 1775, they were called minute men, right? Minute men were the militiamen that were ready in a minute. They had their shit ready to go at all times. Because they knew, they knew who the enemy was. The enemy was the empire. And um, I guess I don't have a whole lot else to say, man. I guess I'm curious, do you have any final thoughts? Well, uh, you're, uh, you're right with the, uh, with the gun laws. Uh, there's, uh, we're, we're just holding on the best we can with what we've got. And, uh, we, we just, uh, if, if, if anything I can say to you is just, you know, um, be forewarned with, with, uh, with what's going on, with what you see happening on our end. Um, we, we're, we're holding back for, for what, uh, I believe is the, uh, is a, is a globalist takeover. And, uh, you know, uh, the media up here is already gaslighting us. They're talking about, uh, you know, why it might be a good idea to prepare yourself, getting that shot, that get that booster, right? Because they're talking about lockdowns and the waves uh, coming in the fall and that kind of thing again. There's a whole lot of, right, uh, gaslighting and, uh, you know, mental mm-hmm. softening that, that's that's uh, getting people prepared for it. But there, there's going to be a lot more pushback, I can tell you. Everybody I know that's 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 that has complied has said, I've done my part. Um, I'm not doing it anymore. Like... Uh, why the goalpost keeps changing there's far too many questions and uh um there's gonna be a much bigger pushback if they try to do that again this fall you know i guess i'll say you've kind of had you got me on a thought here about like i think we need to change what's cool okay what what has been cool has been 
social justice and, um, you know, political correctness. Like we need to make true hardcore masculinity cool again. You know, that I don't give a fuck what you say attitude that has to become cool again. And I see it kind of happening. Um, so I think like maybe the most effective means of changing our culture is to change like how we express ourselves in our culture. And I think you're doing a good job of it from what I see on social media. It seems like you take on that. I don't give a fuck persona. Um, and that took me a while to kind of work up to that level of confidence. Uh, but it is, it's that masculine energy of, I know what's right and what's wrong. And fuck you. If you try to gaslight me into thinking that I'm, that I'm not, correct here. Like I know that I have the freedom as a human being to carry a weapon because human beings have carried weapons for millennia. I've got three weapons on me right now. You know, my neck knife, my other knife and my pistol. And like, I don't take it off until I go to bed and I put it right next to me and I feel comfortable with my weapons, not because I want to hurt people, but because I know that people might want to hurt me, you know? Yeah, and it's the, the the message that, or the thing that uh, that I learned the most here is uh, don't ever trust a government that tells you that they're going to take care of you, that uh, that they'll they'll mm-hmm. they'll keep you safe. Um, never ever ever uh, sacrifice one ounce of freedom for any for any truckload of safety. Mm. Never, uh, freedom will always be more important than safety. Um, less government. Uh, anti-government. I think that's the better way to put it. Now I'm, I'm, I'm completely anti-government. I don't see myself voting at all because there's no point when everything is is controlled um, from both sides. There's, uh, there's, there's too much to just not to trust anymore. Um, taking you know, care I've of said- yourself is, is is a much better idea, and that and that's becoming uh, um, uh, doing things as much as I can without the government knowing. Yeah. Yeah. Agorism, I think, is a really good buzzword right now. I don't know if you're familiar, but agorism is the idea of just like the gray and black market. And let's like operate there, like forget the open market. Let's be in the black market. Even if we're selling legal goods, let's do it. Let's do it without them knowing about it. Fuck the sales taxes. Fuck the income taxes. Let's use alternative currencies, this, that and the other. Um, You know, and I've said that. I might vote the day you show me somebody worth voting for. Okay. Had I been old enough, I would have voted for Ron Paul, but I was not yet old enough, you know, cause I, and, but even then I would have voted, voted for him knowing that it made no fucking difference. So therein lies the rub, but like locally, like I said, getting involved in local politics, I could see, I could see a benefit there, but it's not, that's incrementalism. And I, I don't know if I even believe in incre- incrementalism. I think I believe more in agorism and, um, and anarchism. And I guess uh, the last thing I'll ask you, because he seems like a real interesting character. You pointed me towards this guy. Is it Sean Zimmer? Is that right? Yeah, he's, uh, he's a freedom fighter from, uh, from Manitoba here. Yeah. So could you briefly kind of tell us his story and his involvement? And didn't you say he was kind of the guy that inspired you originally? 
He did. I, he did. I was following him on Instagram. He had a lot to say. Yeah, mm-hmm. he was. Uh, had no problem. He was a good public speaker, um, and uh, I think he just um, was uh, working with others uh, who were just fed up with uh, with everything that was going on. He was a uh, uh, health fitness instructor, so he was using his uh, property uh, to to start an inner city community um, very quickly. He had uh, youth programs, he had boot camps, uh, yoga classes for women during the day, that kind of thing. Uh, he would have, uh, um, you know, community barbecues at night and just doing whatever he can. Even during all the lockdowns and all the restrictions were on, I think he's accumulated around forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 worth of fines and tickets. Um, that's still all pending. He was one of the few guys that um, uh, had his account frozen. I think it's still frozen. I'm not sure. But uh he uh, he did a lot. He went down uh, to Ottawa when when things really started to escalate. Uh, he was on the front lines when um, uh, when the Emergencies Act was invoked, which is pretty much um, the government's basically uh, a nice way, a politically correct way of saying martial law. Yeah, and that's yeah. and that's what that happened. That's uh, and that's why all these little little uh, things were planted to give him a, an excuse to uh, to push the red button and. Uh, clear the field so he's back here now in winnipeg i know he's uh working on some programs setting up uh um he's really focused on on uh community growth he's got gardens uh people working to uh you know he's helping people to who who will start programs on their own to help others right he's not going to just do it all on his own so um i i see um um, he, he's trying to definitely make a positive impact in that sense. Um, positive energy, right? Uh, um, obviously, uh, anti-government as probably as probably I am, but uh, mm-hmm. taking that energy and putting it into a, into a positive, right? Especially for his youth. And that's the key, man. I'm actually like I'm actively trying to reach out to sort of the young male two um, A community, as we call it down here, the Second Amendment community, the gun guys. Because I, I see the value in the gun culture and freedom to carry. I, like I'm, I'm all on board, but I think people get a little too wrapped up in that world and they forget that, you know, guns are one thing, but gardens are a whole nother. I, I kind of went and looked through this guy's YouTube and, and uh, Instagram, this Sean Zimmer, and I loved that he is, he is taking very seriously the local food system because to me that is top priority like no question we need to produce food because aside from guns what's the next most powerful way to control people you know it's the food system always has been and um if we don't if we don't set up like resilient systems to depend on then we're gonna depend on them even if we don't want to absolutely absolutely mike you're absolutely right um you know, I'm, I'm, I'm incorporating doing that as much as I can here uh, myself. Um, I buy all my, my meat, my, my, my pork, my beef, my chicken uh, from local, right? I, I literally mm-hmm. hand cash to the man that, uh, that's raising those chickens. My eggs, yeah. uh, my milk, uh, I, I found a source. I had to hunt down a source for, for some raw milk it, it, because it's illegal to sell raw milk in Canada. I can go to yeah. a dispensary. And, 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 uh, and, and buy any, and, you know, buy uh, any uh, cannabis that I want, liquor that I want, but, but heaven forbid. Like cow's milk. 
That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 you know, talking to a dairy producer, someone who's, who's got a contract, you know, um, under contract with the dairy board, you know, if there's, if there's wind that they're, that they're yeah. handing out or selling raw dairy. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's not good. Oh, it's, it's serious shit to them and it's crazy. It's crazy. I don't know why they care. Um, because just like, I believe it's a right to be able to carry a weapon, I believe it's a right, like a natural, like God-given right to basically pr- procure your food from wherever the hell you want. I don't care if you eat out of the dumpster. I don't care if you eat raw sewage. You have the right to choose, right? Exactly. And if you're telling me I can't buy milk from a guy who literally milked it this morning, like, s- are you serious? You know, like, that's them's fighting words, man, like. I, you know, all this talk, you know, right now we've got all the debate with abortion and I don't even want to go there, but I, I made a post about like, cause I've seen all these nasty memes about like, maybe we should just force all men to get vac- uh, vasectomies cause they're reversible quote unquote. And I'm like, if you come at me with them scissors, I will shoot you motherfucker. Like I will kill you for my sperm. Like, don't don't even question my motives here. I, I'm you've been warned, and um, it's this kind of shit, man. It's like they're trying to chip away at our natural born rights: the right to defend yourself, the right to feed yourself, and the right to reproduce. You know, like it doesn't get any more fundamental than that. And um, I'm kind of glad we we hit on this at the end here because I'm I'm glad to know that you are taking seriously like the local food system, getting your meat locally, because when the day comes that people are hungry, you've you've already built that relationship with your farmer and he'll take care of you when he turns everybody else away. Absolutely, Mike. It's, uh, you know, everything that, that has happened the last seven months or even I should say in the last couple of years with COVID, right? I, let's, let's go with that, that sense. You know, mm-hmm. um, it seems like now, like we're waving my flag on my truck. I'm labeled as a right-wing nationalist, but I, I've, I've got a Canada tattoo on mm-hmm. my shoulder that I've been wearing for, you know, uh, uh, uh almost nine years there that, mm-hmm. uh, well, maybe even longer. I can't even remember how long I've had this tattoo. Right. So it's, it's not that I've done anything different. I, I, I worked, I did my job, you know, through all the lockdowns, and everything when I was trucking and, and head out in South, um, I I've done everything they've asked me to, um, except get vaccinated. Right. Mm-hmm. Where, but my, the point I'm trying to make Mike is that it seems like I'm labeled as a right wing nationalist way over here on the right wing. But I've done, I haven't changed. I've just done everything I can, like just to, to work now, just to get through things, put food on my table and just, just keep on right doing what I'm doing. It's, it's the left that's sliding further over the, the center, Mm -hmm. right? The, 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 the point of center is, is slipping far to the left. And and those of us who are just still where we are, 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 are just farthing, falling further from the center because, because the center is falling away. That, that that's what's really happening i think mm-hmm. and, and and that's and that and that and that and, and what i mean by that is what the with the political correctness that that's all going on we uh i'll give you an example you know uh with everything that that this this army veteran is doing to come down and as as hard as they are to stop it you know the fight is on right now the 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 the, the government 
is is scared shitless uh, of celebrating Canada this year. There's no government affiliated like the there are city our our province like the Ottawa is having Canada Day celebrations, but it's very toned down. It's nowhere near the capital. It's off to the side. Um, here in my in my province's capital, Winnipeg. They have a huge Canada Day celebration every year down at the Forks where the Red River and the Assiniboine River meet. It's a huge meeting place, uh, hundreds of years. Um, no, no Canada Day uh, this year. This year, we're going to call it New Day. What? Yeah. <laughs> like, That's excuse how me? Excuse me? What does that even mean? What does that mean? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> oh, my God. It means the great reset. That's what it means. You know, you're 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 you've got a great point. I, I, I believe you. It it's it's a lot to do with divide and conquer, right? Um they the government uh, they've never seen anybody and that's the thing that's scared of this the Freedom Convoy united so many people together, right? Like like rolling thunder and, and they have worked harder than ever to divide and conquer. Uh he, here's here's another quick little example. Shortly after the Freedom Convoy died out, on our end here, we, we see the uh, the war starting over in Europe, Russia and Ukraine. Where have you ever seen a, a world conflict where the media has uh, wanted you to take a side so badly? Mm-hmm. Right? Um, when when have we been in a war where there's a, a Facebook uh, profile uh, where you can pick and choose what do you want? Oh, now, you know... Uh, I live here in a um, uh, southern Manitoba, a farming community. We have a lot of Russians, a lot of uh, Ukrainian migrants here. Great people. Uh, I spoke with one guy I know that has relatives that, uh, you know, were literally, you know, uh, just, you know, uh, Russians back home that were pulled out of the truck because they were Russian. It's just uh, and, and beaten uh Right, because they they were said the wrong thing at the wrong time. But I mean, the the point I'm trying to make is there's uh, like. When did, when did we fucking, uh, you know, like a baseball game where we choose one team or the other in, in a war like that, right? The yeah. the mental grooming is, is, is what it is, right? It's having society pick a side, right? There's so much of that. When, when before it was so important that I needed to tell you how I felt and it was either a yes or no on your side and, man, that's how you feel? Fuck you. And then, you know, like unfollow or leave them or you know separate from them it's the whole divide and conquer you'll you'll see other things and i think the the road versus way and the brave um uh, did i I, it's the abortion ruling pardon me i I didn't i don't think i got it right road road v wade yeah 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 thanks i i think that's i mean don't don't kid me i think that's a it's a huge issue but i think that is another thing that is 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 causing is causing divide and conquer it's 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 distraction It's distraction, um, and we've seen this this like you know four to six week news cycle where it's one outrage after the next after the next, and um, going back to this idea of being painted as some kind of white nationalist or some racist or whatever, it's it's a sad day when the most rational among us are painted as the most radical. You know, and I, I actually use the word radical. Like, I think it's a good word. I like radical. They want to call us extremists. They want to call us domestic terrorists. 
Uh, they want to call us you know, white nationalists. Like, mm-hmm. yes, I'm radical, but I'm none of the other things that you've tried to label me. And, um, and I'm only radical because of I'm because I'm rational because I've rationally figured out where the source of the problem is, which is government. And, um, I, I guess I don't know what else to say. Um, I, I just think it's, you know what? Okay. Here's my last thought. And you've touched on it multiple times. And I think it's the truth. The only solution here is for us to build communities, you know, in our, in our local towns. And we need to build networks of, of, you know, we need, we need connections from, you know, Winnipeg to Indianapolis and from Detroit to, you know, uh, Ottawa. And, you know, we need this web of, of, of like-minded Patriot loving or uh, Liberty loving people who are ready to help one another out when the time comes. Um, and I don't, I don't advocate for, for any kind of direct confrontation because I don't think that we're going to win that way. We win by building these resilient communities and these alternative supply chains. In essence, you know, we're going to need truckers that are willing to work for the, for the small group, right? You're hauling something from, from there to here. And you know, the people that, that are getting that delivery are the people you want to deliver to, you know, fuck the rest of the, the, the crazies. That's like, right. Let's 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 band together. You know, any any type of uh, um, involvement, um, organizing people to to network and, and to like you said, just to um, to uh, and that, that's from everything from your food supply to your network networking with with each other, just to uh, uh, get away as far as you can from any type of government involvement or compliancy because uh it, it, that that's what that's what the government mm-hmm. wants the, the globalists are after um they want you broke they want you weak they want you depressed they want you dependent on them right um mm-hmm. this this uh the what you call it the serb money it was the covid uh the covid money right the the relief mm-hmm. money it was right um there's a job shortage going on, but these there, that there's still people who um, are getting paid for uh, for COVID relief money. Um, my wife works at a clinic where um, no, I mean, people are still taking COVID tests, not because they don't want COVID because they're scared they're going to die. They're taking COVID tests so they test positive, so they get to go home from work because that's paid time home because it's COVID relief fund money. Yeah, yeah, that's where society has become right now, and it's unfortunate. Like that, I like I said, it's 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 uh, anything that you'll see where the government tries to divide and conquer, um, you know, and, and, uh, and when anytime the government tries to tell you that it's for your safety, that it's for your protection, run away, do the opposite, and uh, just network with people to uh, be as self-sustaining as possible. Fully agree. I've said, I've said before, it's like a little bit of danger is not near as scary as a whole lot of safety. Exactly. uh, I think we're starting to wake up to that people. I I swear that the big cultural problem, the, the societal problem that we have is comfort, like addiction to comfort. And if people can just accept that life is a little bit uncomfortable and sometimes you gotta, you gotta rise above the discomfort and, and, 
I don't know, fight for what's right. You know, accept that you will be a little uncomfortable for a while in order to preserve what actually fucking matters. Um, you know, a lot of people would rather get their DoorDash every night of the week and pay their taxes and not think about it. But a certain breed of folks are getting sick and tired of being pushed around and being taken advantage of. And, you know, I don't know how it's going to all shake out, but I hope, like I said, that we're smart and we're, uh, we do it sort of the grassroots way, the peaceful way. And we, uh, we make the government obsolete. That's what we need to do. You know, they absolutely hate when to see people thriving independently, Mm -hmm. right. With their own resources, their own food, their own water, their own energy. They hate that that you're that that is that is the government's worst enemy because in order to make this work, they need mass compliance. They need everybody to comply. Mm-hmm. Well, I tell you what, man. Uh, you said about an hour. We're at an hour and thirty. So I want to <laughs> I want to cut you loose. Uh, but it's been great I really, talking to you, man. That was, I appreciate this has gone really really quick. Yeah, man. Yeah, I really appreciate it. I think this was a great conversation. Um, maybe maybe we can do it again. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna appeal to possibly some new Canadian listeners right now. I hope that this can kind of spread through uh, Canada a little bit. And if anybody can share this with anybody that was impacted by, um, you know, these, these financial freezes, these, uh, these imprisonments, like I would, I would really like to interview maybe Sean Zimmer or was it uh, Tamara Lynch well, Tamara's in jail right now. She's uh, that would be tricky. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's uh, she's the top dog, and, and like I said, I'm I'm fully believing that uh, the government's uh, um, got her locked up this weekend just to prove a point. They uh, yeah. she embarrassed them back in in January, and uh, this is nothing. They more didn't than want a, they didn't government. want a megaphone in front of her this weekend. They figured we'll just we'll just lock her up for a couple weeks. Yeah, yeah, it, it's exactly mm-hmm. right, and and. Man, so many things that are uh, that our government's doing that are just throwing up huge red flags, and uh, wish people, more people would see it. Well, you know, I hope that it'll become increasingly impossible to ignore. You know, I have no faith that everybody is going to come over to our side, but um, I believe that enough will that we're going to create something better. And uh, we're not going to need the rest of them. We're just not going to need them. You know, we'll get to the point if we're smart and we build these communities where one day, ideally, we'll just be able to say, you know what? Y'all aren't welcome here no more. You know, thank you, but no thank you. That's right. That's right. We're autonomous. We're sovereign. Like, fuck off. Freedom over safety. Always. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, I tell you what, man, Rob, it was really good talking with you. Um, we'll say our goodbyes after I hit the pause or the stop or whatever here, but I just want to say uh, you've been a great guest, so thank you for coming on the Easy Peasy Podcast. I'd like to come on and talk to you again in the future, if that's all right. Absolutely, man. I would I would dig it. Cool. Cool. All right. Well, thanks for listening, y'all. Uh, we will talk to you soon. <laughs>